Hi, this is a youth football coaching podcast brought to you by Football Training and Development. So today we're looking at how to plan your season's training. So firstly, we need to ask the question, why we do this? Why is it important to plan for a whole season? Often, especially in grassroots, you can easily get away with just planning session by session. But there are problems with this. Now, if we're planning session by session, by session we end up being very results orientated. Our sessions based around what result we get, what we feel we need to improve. And while it is important to be reactive and look at and evaluate how your team is going, it's also very important to make sure we're proactive and we cover all the bases of people's development. If we get too bogged down in how results orientate what we're doing in training, we then become too much of a results-orientated team and we get away from the developmental aspects. Because some of the things that help you get results aren't the things that make better long-term players or even on many occasions enjoyment levels as well. So I think it's important to implement a development plan and with a development plan about how I want my players to improve, what I want my players to improve in, what areas, what direction I want them to go down. We can do this very easily and it coincides very well with a season training plan. So for example, I may say within my session, I need my players to be very comfortable on the ball. So the first thing we work on will maybe a month of dribbling skills, that dribbling and uh, ball coordination, ball mastery skills, all this kind of thing to help them more, more to help them become more comfortable on the ball, more comfortable beating players, and lay the foundations for everything else I want to do. So that's part of my development. If, for example, in that first month, results aren't going as well as I'd like, I will get caught out in other aspects. I still need to keep my mind into this because this is my first level of my development. Like as a development plan, how you want to do step by step by step to get to where you want to go. So there's going to be a reason when, when you also, like I should go into a bit more details, that when you make a season plan, you're doing it with a long-term goal rather than the short-term goals. Short-term solutions don't always offer long-term progress. So thinking about the short-term and helping you get a result in the short-term is not really going to help you often in the long-term. So it's important to have a season plan so we can implement a development plan alongside that. It also helps your organisation of your sessions and make things aspects easier for you. I mean, often we do this a long time, full-time jobs. So then we're coaching whenever we can over in the evening, rush into it. If we have a season plan already, it becomes much easier for us. We always have the session plan already there. And if there's something we want to add to it, it's very easy to do that. It also allows you to be, so like we said before, cover all those bases, development bases. So you want to work on dribbling, then passing, then maybe defending. You can pull it all together. So by the end of the season, you know you've covered all these different aspects and we've gone through everything. And the next season, we can then build on that again. And also within that, it helps you to set goals and targets for players. Now, if you have training session, we could say, for example, it will look like I said before, if I'm looking at the dribbling, dribbling aspects. I could talk about how many players each player managed to beat during the game. Or how many times we go past a player and then retain possession, for example. I set targets relevant to the training and then we can measure their development from there so when we move on to say for example passing aspects which may be next looking at passing patterns passing technique and so on then we can try and implement and join those together so different targets for different parts of the season and um, yeah so all, all these aspects come together and make it a good reason for you to try to before the season starts or even during the season try to put together some kind of season plan session plan now I was planning to do this before the season started but due to other factors and trying to get my own season plans and stuff together. 
uh, yeah, it's, it's been possible. Hopefully it's still relevant now because we can still implement and think about how we want to plan for the rest of the season. And obviously during the period it is now when we've had to stop again, it's probably a good time to maybe sit back and reflect on this a bit. Now, I'm going to go into more detail about how to do your season plan. So firstly, it's important to be proactive and there's very good, there are a lot of good factors and reasons for being proactive. Like you ensure that you have the right development levels, you ensure you go through the right stages of development, you ensure you think you cover all the bases that people need to cover to help them improve as players. We're not just focusing on results, we can focus on the player as development as an individual, not just things that get you immediate results. So very good reasons for being proactive, but it's also important to be reactive. Now, confidence is a massive factor in football, although winning is not the only thing. If, for example, like we spoke about, I'll go back to my old example, if I focus on dribbling, which I normally would, to be honest, at the first part of my seasonal training. And then, for example, we're not able to get the ball enough, we're not able to retain the ball enough to get ourselves into dribbling situations. I may have to be slightly reactive and add a little bit into my training session. So if I had an hour training, I might do 15 minutes. We are talking about, oh, quickly we're going to go over this. So we also need to make sure we make these angles. And it might be something like a little adding, some few words I add in. Still staying with my same theme. So we're being proactive and reactive. We need to have a good mix. On a perfect level, we, for example, you've had your team for a couple of years. You've built in your key principles, what you play. You can just be carry on and just do a set plan. Because the reactive elements should be something you've already taught them. So after maybe a season of a good season plan, next season, they should know the basis of everything. So you don't need to be as reactive anymore, which is, again, why it's important to be proactive and plan beforehand. Because then you know you've covered it and you can just reflect back onto it. And you may not need to cover it again. You just need to go over it and add another layer to that. So, for example, you go over defensive shape. When you cover it next season, you can just add another layer to it. How we press, for example, maybe looking at a high press. Or looking at a block, a low block, for example, and how we use those and implement those in our sessions, in our matches, sorry. So uh, also, yeah, like I said about being proactive and reactive, again, make sure you have the right balance. Don't take too much away from your original objectives. Again, we're not, we shouldn't be too results orientated, although we cannot say they're not important because they are important for the kids to enjoy their game a bit more and also give them confidence to do the things you want them to do. But we need to be development orientated. Now, when we're going and planning our training, at the beginning of the season, well, whenever you start your season plan, we need to think about a number of factors. Firstly, you need to think about what do you want your team to do? How do you want your team to play? So what kind of style of play do you want? What are their attitudes like in the game? Um, what kind of things would you like to encourage them to do? How would you like them to play? So, for example, if I use myself as an example, I like my team to play football from the back, to bear to pass out from the back. I like them to be comfortable on the ball. I like them to try things and not be afraid to make errors. I like them to be polite to their teammates, respect the officials, and obviously respect myself as well. So within that, I then think about how I can get those objectives. Now, firstly, to encourage that confidence and uh, ability to play out different situations and self-belief and creativity... I think it's very important people have the ability to beat players or at least retain possession. So that would be the first aspect I'd work on. And because, especially when you're looking to play out the back and you're trying to encourage people to play out the back, if you have an understanding of the structure, it helps you out a lot more and something you can keep going over. 
that would be probably the next kind of aspects I'll be looking at. So being able to play out the back and how we link up with our passing. So my philosophy and what I want them to do would definitely inform everything I do for the season and how I do it. Again, this is the part of being reactive is. So if, for example, the season starts and we're still going for our dribbling aspects and we haven't, we're not able to play out of the back and we're getting caught out a lot and it's something I want them to do, I might quickly go over for 10 minutes a bit of their shape. Not too long though. Again, I don't want to take away from the main emphasis. So what you want them to do and how you want them to play has to be at the forefront of your planning for your season. So what is the most important thing for you? How do I achieve that? And it's not always as simple as I want to play out from the back, for example. I want to play good football. That means we've got to look at passing first. No, because you need to have that ability on the ball as well. Because you give players confidence and build on their composure. Because composure is a good, big element of it as well. Composure and confidence are just as important as passing technique. It's why you will often see teams that are, have a high ability players not able to play that kind of football because they don't have the confidence and composure in those situations. So think about deeply about what you want to achieve and how we can achieve it. So that'd be the first port of call when we're planning our training. Nextly, we need to, next. Nextly, <laughs> next we need to uh, go into a bit of evaluation. So we're looking at individual evaluation of our players and also team evaluation of our team. So what are your players' strengths and weaknesses? What are your team's strengths and weaknesses? Now, again, if you find within your players there's a lot of weakness within a certain element of play that you need to work on, again, this reflects back to how you want to play. So again, for example, people are, are, haven't got the correct passing technique for short passing technique, or people, our players, a lot of our players aren't able to transfer the ball with accuracy over a, decent, over a longer distance, with maybe a low-drilled pass. This may then be pushed to the front of what you need to practice. So if that's an important aspect, we look at our individual characteristics and then our team characteristics, what they need to improve. So again, if, for example, maybe your team um, don't defend very well, don't get back very well, don't get in a good shape, don't work hard enough for each other, you may think, okay, how can I change that? What can I work on? Now, looking at this again, and we're talking about, back to the first poll, Bit we talked about being proactive and reactive. Normally how I would do this and how I'd like to do this, and this is a best case scenario, it takes a little bit of setting up, to think about techniques each player needs to improve and give them different technical drills based on what they need to improve. So I may have, and I do have at the beginning of a lot of my sessions, a 10-minute warm-up, for example, where we'll just work on a technical aspect and different groups will have different technical aspects to work on. So one group may be doing a passing activity, one group may be doing a dribbling activity, Another group may be looking at defensive technique because I think it's important. Not only is it practice, it's reinforcing little points in their mind they can take forward and not taken away from the main emphasis of your session. So a continual basis of technical improvement while you're doing everything else, the technical and the other tactical improvement overall as a team in whatever direction you want to go. So it's putting that into their mind. It's that constant repetition of key principles. So that needs to be taken into account as well. So because we are looking at players' development, looking at your players individually is important. And then as it's a team game, looking at how those individual characteristics transfer into a game is nearly equally as important. So you may have people with good passing technique, but it may not be a transfer into a game. Working together. They may not pass the ball quick enough. They may not link up play correctly. You may have people good dribblers, 
And when we get into the game, we choose the wrong time to dribble. So you may be looking at a bit of that dribbling decision-making, which would be a really fun thing to work on, to be honest. So you could just get into little small-sided games and talk about maybe you go, before you score, you've got to do one pass, go past one player and make one pass. So then as soon as they get past the player, they now have got to get their head up to look for a pass. It's just a little continuous repetition of ideals that build an imprint into their mind and slightly change how they, their outlook on the game and what they do in different situations. All right, so looking at your individual characteristics and your player characteristics, and we talked about personalising it slightly. Again, going back to it, so a lot of the theme of this um, uh, seasonal training podcast will be coming in the key things of being proactive and reactive. So now we're looking at how we can be slightly more reactive. So often, when I do sessions, and this is not only being reactive, I do this proactively as well, because I understand how it's going to work, I do sessions in pairs. So if I was looking at crossing and finishing, I would generally always do it in pairs. Because firstly, you introduce the idea. And whenever you're introducing an idea, coach, you're always coaches, it doesn't always go, well, go into their mind. They don't always pick it up straight away. Because it's something new. They start getting used to it. And unless you want to stop the session continuously, continuously, if you want to keep it going, keep some kind of pattern and movement and tempo in your session, you're going to have to sometimes allow for slight errors and then keep pushing through it. And then they're slowly going to reinforce their ideas. I think it's definitely useful to come back to it a second time. Because once you've had a session of new drills, new ideas being put forward to them, the next time you do the same session or a very similar session with a slight progression, they should be able to really understand what you need to do quickly. So you can get more out of the session. They'll be able to understand the ideas. So they'll be able to build them and reinforce them quicker. And also it's good for you to evaluate whether they've actually picked up what you've been working on. So we go back to the crossing example, when we're looking at moving about pulling the way to the back post and different kind of runs, for example, when we go on back to next week, I'll be looking at, are they doing that automatically without me telling them? Are they getting the time of their runs correctly? Are they making different runs? When they get into those areas, are they finishing these chances? Those kind of aspects. Is the quality of the crossing good? And then I'll go and question and answer, talk to them, do they understand what they should be doing? Because within a training session, like we talked about a developmental aspect, it's not only physical development in terms of their skills and stuff like that, and physical and technical development, it's also their understanding of the game, their tactical knowledge, psychologically how they correspond and socially how they correspond and work together. So question and answer starts to build on that and helps you judge their understanding of what you've worked on. So I do think it's very important to do something more than once, in my personal opinion. I do. I am definitely of the idea it's nice to keep doing new things. I love doing new drills and stuff like that. But it's, I think it's really good to go over things more than once. And you may even do it for a month, depending on your how well they're getting on with it, depending on how important that part of the game is to you. So crossing and finishing is not a massive part of what I, I, I want to do. In my part. So I wouldn't do it for that long. But playing out the back, I would. And especially with my new teams, I've done it, for example, sometimes for months. But slightly differently, slightly progressing, making sure it's fun and keeping the key principles to build those principles in place. But yeah, it's important to be reactive to what's happening in your session. So has your session gone well? Do the players understand what they need to do? Are they able to relay what you want them to do? Are they starting to apply this? Do they know where things have gone wrong? Can they self-evaluate and change what they're doing? If not, you may think I might have to do that session again. Or like we said before, you carry on with your bed of sessions 
but you maybe implement a 15 minute beginning phase. So we've moved on from our dribbling, for example, and we're going on to our passing aspects. You think maybe I still need to go on. Players are not as comfortable as I'd like on the ball. We're not really able to beat players, uh, multiple players, or dribble out of different situations, or we're not taking the passes at the right time. That kind of aspect. I would just maybe introduce that at the beginning. So the 15 minute warm up, a nice fun warm up. Looking at again, put the key principles in place, say this is what we're going to do. Question, actually you can tell them to tell you the key principles of it and then let them go before you move on to the rest. All right, so after that, so we talked about reacting to what you see in your sessions. It's also, like we said, react, important to react to what you see in your games and we've gone over that already. Um, yeah, so I think, again, an, an underrated part... Honest, I should go through this a bit more detail. An underrated part sometimes of your training sessions is your actual match. So your game in your training. And there's always that thing about, oh, just let, let them play and so on. And oh, yeah, obviously I, I do agree to an aspect, definitely, about playing games and letting them play. I do think it's important to have drills and training and helping people with techniques and then pulling it into a game situation. But the match at the end is always very important. And I always have a conditioned match. A match that conditions around what I want to improve. I may not condition it the whole time. Because sometimes it can be frustrating and you just let them go. And it's also really important, I think, if you were to condition a game, then to see if they still put forward the things you want them to do without the conditions. So generally at the end, at least for five minutes or maybe in ten, at the end of the game, depending on how long the game is, um, I let them just free, for example, without any real conditions. But it's important to condition the game. Now, I generally condition the game around what I've been working on in training, but I always also condition the game about what I want to see, what I want my team to play like. Again, I am a bit big advocate of being able to play out because I just think it encourages, um, if you want to play good football, be able to play from the back. It sets the right mindset in place. It gets players to be more comfortable in the ball. It gets players to take risks in those areas then they have to be composed, they have to offer support. It starts off the whole it starts off the whole philosophy of being able to play good passing football for your team, playing through the thirds and so on, and quick combination, that confidence, that composure, and that ability to play out of difficult situations rather than taking the easy option. But because that's a key aspect of what I want to do, if I was doing a different session on finishing and we were looking at, and maybe my my condition part of my game would be there might be a, a particular shooting area where it's one-touch finishing. Or when you receive the ball in the opposition's half, you only have five seconds to score. So we're looking at quick attacks, for example. I may think, OK, look, a goalkeeper's just kicking the ball forward. So now, for example, the goal ball's not as go overhead height. Or the goalkeeper has to play to somebody in his half. Or the, goal, the ball has to go back to the goalie before you can score. Or every, every throw-in or every corner... No corners, no throw-ins. Everything starts in the goal kick. Just so you're continuously pushing forward your principles and ideas. The match is an underused resource sometimes. To be honest, it's probably your most important resource. The drills, everything else, you want to try and implement and develop players to improve their football and ability. And the key time you see that in a training session is in your game. Obviously, in your games at the weekend, you're not going to condition it. Well, you may do, depending on how well you're doing. And a fair play if you can. But you're not going to be able to condition it as much. So condition your training games and try to put forward those principles and building it, building it, building it, building it. Keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it until it becomes habit. It becomes a habit and they forget to do anything else. They ever do anything else. 
So yeah, use the games. Very important. Can always condition your games. Um, yeah, I, I do think, like we said before, I mean, you're going to have a plan for your season. And whatever you plan, if you're anything like me, you're liked, well, sometimes you're like to do something new and different. You've, you've seen something, you're going to try something out and see how it goes. And it may not always work. So it's very important, again, to be adaptable in what you're doing. So when you're planning, have a number of different solutions you may have. You may have less players turn up one week. This drill might be perfect for six, then you get five. How can we adapt it? Or the players just may just not understand. You may have to take it down a level. They may not understand the passing pattern you're trying to put across. So you might have to take it down a notch and then bring it back up again. Which again is why it's important, I think, to do sessions in more than one, more, at least twice in a row. Because if something goes wrong, you can adapt. And if something's too easy, again, you can build on it and make it harder. If something's too slow, the tempo's too slow. We'll not get enough ball. Too many people are waiting. But it's not really putting across the aspects you wanted to do. We look at it one week. We make a slight adjustment and adaptation for next week. So hopefully this all makes sense. I'm going to go over basically talking about our season plans and kind of what uh, maybe the best example would be give an example of what I do. So going an overview of what we need to do. If this, if I was approaching a planning for a season, firstly I'm thinking about what is my philosophy. So I like us to play good football. I like us to pass the ball about, but I like us to be creative and confident to do different things. So I don't like to discourage things like dribbling and so on. And often with the team, well, at the moment I'm only coaching well, under 12s and under 9s. But at different times in the year I've been coaching under 14s and so on. But with the younger teams I'm coaching, especially the under 9s, what we're looking at um, is allowing them to try things out. And often you'll get players that want to dribble for everybody. And it's not so much, you don't want to discourage that. Obviously, it's not always the right time to do it. You want to try to understand what they can build on. So in my philosophy is to play good football from the back, to play out, to play quick passing football, to involve everybody in your play, to make sure we always have support on the ball. So it's quite an attacking philosophy. So we'll have, even in a five-side game, we'll have defenders supporting back. We'll never leave somebody back just standing there, which some teams do. It's attacking mindset, attacking philosophy, to make sure we always have support on the ball, to encourage people to be confident on the ball, to have good composure and to always encourage each other to keep it going, a positive atmosphere. So to build on these things, I have to plan my session. So I have to make sure, like I said before, players are comfortable on the ball. So I'm looking at my dribbling and coordination first. I need to look at we have good passing patterns so we can link up with each other. So first it's playing out of the back. Then it's things like combination play. Then it's being able to keep possession. Then we're going to look at the finishing aspects, looking at shooting and finishing for the next couple of months. Then we're going to look at things like first touch control and movement. And then lastly, probably things like defensive defensive aspects. So defending aspects, things like marking, one-on-one -on -one individual defending, all those different parts that round up your game. Now, with my under-9s, we've been doing it for two or three seasons, so they have the basis of everything else in place, so I was building on it. But if I was doing when I did an under-7s, for example, there were times I had to react. So I had to change and put in marking when marking was bad, when we weren't able to mark or defend properly, adequately. We had to implement that into part of our session, but I never let it take over what I was doing. Because if you do, you take away from the developmental aspect and you become too results orientated. It was more always to start with the drop people dropping their heads for us losing games, 
that's not able to win the ball back effectively or retain the ball, being able to win the ball back quickly, being more organised defensively helped us a lot. Um, yeah, so what else will I say? So I need to, oh yeah, so um, like I said, plan it, always plan it with, I would think, having at least, doesn't have to be exactly the same session, but planning to do the same aspect, coaching aspect, for example, um, the defensive back line shape, at least two weeks in a row. So then we can build on what we've done before. We can make sure we have the key aspects now in each of the players' mind, make sure they understand. And they can show us the next week and we can adapt and assess what we've done and bring it to the next week after. And yeah, so that's really it. So make sure that we, we think about our players, think about our team, think about your philosophy more than anything else and plan roughly through the season what you want to work on. Make it easier for yourself so you're more organised and make sure that you're doing the players, not doing the players a disservice by basically not te teaching them things they need to learn to help them improve as players. Not just focusing on what will win them the game. Because what will win them the game at this age is not always going to make them a better player. To be honest, under sevens football, if you want to win every game, stick three players back, put your best players up front and let them run anywhere they want. They can get the ball and run down the pitch and score. Have minimal easy passes up the line and you're going to win most of your games. No short goal kicks, played into areas because the players are not generally technically at that level to be able to deal with things like this. If that's, if that's, the, way to, that's the way to win a game. But if that's the way you want to win a game at that age, you won't win any games after that age. You'll probably have a really good one or two players, the players that do everything for you, but everybody else will kind of be left at the wayside. And that's not the way you should coach football. So we're looking at the developmental aspect. Don't think about what's going to win you a game because what will win you a game will not always make you a better one well. Not always make you a better player. What will win you a game in the long run will make you a better player. So build on that, that technique. I always try and train my players as if I was training to be a professional player. Not in the sense of like intense training, but more the fact of, okay, if, for example, he was the best player he could be in that, that area, would he be able to pass the ball out in the back when he receives it under pressure? Would he be able to take two or three players on? So treat your players with respect. Treat them with respect that you believe in them and have confidence in them to move forward and progress. And make sure your philosophy is based around that, what you want to do, and then for your season plan is based around the same thing. So if you're stuck for what to do, or you're not sure how to do these season training plans, or you don't have the time to plan them, I have planned training sessions, season training plans for every age group, from 5 aside up to 11 aside, to 5, 7, 9, 11, and different development levels for beginner, advanced, and elite. Taking me a long, long time, which is one of the reasons it's taken so long to do this podcast. But if you are interested, they are on sale now on my website, www.footballtraininganddevelopment.com. But again, you can easily do this yourself. You can go and find plans yourself. It does take a while, I'm not going to lie, to do it and to make sure you specify around the areas you want to do, around your philosophy, around your players. But it's definitely rewarding. It will help you have more time for yourself, more organisation for what you're doing. You'll get better results because you're constantly improving towards a set goal. Your players will generally enjoy it more. They will see more progression from it. And your long-term goals, long-term, it will be better for yourself, your team and your players, everybody. And again, lastly, if you have any questions or any help or advice you'd like or need, don't be afraid to contact me. I have a new email address now, which is admin 
at football train sorry admin at soccer training and development.co.uk so contact me on that and i'll be happy to answer any queries you have or any questions so yeah, yeah so hopefully that's helped you out again any more help you need any advice you need on grassroots football coaching or any aspect of it please let me know and i'll be happy to share my experience and happy to help until next time thank you very much